I was just eating during our break. I was eating some baby carrots. Why are baby carrots always wet? They're literally always so wet. There was like a full centimeter of water. It's astonishing, isn't it? What about the process requires that level of hydration? Like they're just dripping. And there's one in every batch that makes you question the existence of God. <laughs> like there's one that is so foul and so rancid, it makes you convinced there's no good in the universe. I mean, it's the same with like grapes too, where it's like yes. almost all of them are the most delicious thing you've ever eaten. And then sometimes it's like a little mushy. Do you freeze grapes? I think that's like a really popular thing that people do that I just cannot get into. I love it. I freeze green grapes, not red grapes, frozen green grapes. Oh yeah. We just bought a bag and froze them all. Wow. Yep. See, I like doing that if you're making a sangria or just like having a nice drink, like popping a couple of grape cubes in there. I will say in terms of fruit that is disgusting the moment it's passed are like kiwis. I love a good kiwi. Oh, when they start to ferment, it is so gross. <sighs> it tastes like the inside of a foot when it goes really, really <laughs> foul. Like that's, and it's one, but it's not like either it's a little bad or a lot bad. It's just, you're in and it's horrible. Immediately. Yeah. I used to buy those big, like you could get the box where you get six, seven kiwis or whatever and be like, oh, every morning I'm going to have my nice little breakfast, big old spoonful. And this tastes like gum that was left in a car. Yeah. They used to package them in these little six packs and called them Mighties, which to me felt so condescending. <laughs> why, why are we calling it like, I know it's a good food. The idea- It's a fucking kiwi. It's a fucking kiwi. Were they really called gooseberry fruit? Isn't that what they were originally called? Wait, what? I thought gooseberries were like the down south name for, uh, oh no, I'm thinking of huckleberries. I'm pretty sure a kiwi before it was rebranded to reflect its innate New Zealandosity was called a gooseberry fruit. Did you say New Zealandosity? I did. Wonderful. Welcome to this mini episode that's just me and Brian that we have not done in a while. No, it's been like- over a month? Something like that? Yeah, probably. I mean, we like stopped doing the Just You and Me episodes once we were able to convince people that this was a real podcast and not us luring them to a murder dungeon. Dungeon. <laughs> Although, who knows how long that's going to last. Yeah, I mean, I'm refurbishing my murder dungeon. <laughs> we're still in the uh, most of the all of the guests are people we know personally face. <laughs> so at some point, hopefully we transition out of that because I only have so many friends. And yeah. only some small fraction of my friends are willing to talk to me. So it's <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. Like that's that gets us to maybe episode 30 and then we're done. Yeah, getting to, to somebody who's like an acquaintance and asking them if they want to be on your podcast is it like the, the next circle of social, social life in Los Angeles hell. Like yep. I never wanted to be that guy who's like, Hey, hope you're doing okay. Um, I just have a podcast. Do you want to be on our podcast? Yeah. We'll get there. We'll certainly get there. <laughs> Eventually. I guess we're going to answer the questions that we didn't get to in terms of emails, but I have questions and I think they're more interesting. Yes, hit them. I mentioned that I am a big Taco Bell stan and then you were interested in that. Oh, yes, I was. My question is, are there any fast food places that you really like or particular items that you really like? Oh, I'm really not a big fast food person in general. Let's see. I don't even know the last time I went to a Burger King. I Actually, I do like Taco Bell, like Mexi Melts. I think those are pretty good. But I don't think I've been to a Taco Bell in five years, maybe more. Wow. One of the things that has stayed with me for years about a Burger King I was once in... <laughs> Oh, no. This is probably about 10 years ago, 2010-ish. It's when Rachel was living in New York and I was living in Ann Arbor and I would drive back and forth 
pretty frequently. That's like a 10 hour drive. Oof. Yeah. It's through some very beautiful places and some very boring places. Stamford, Connecticut. <laughs> no, it was further south. I wish I got to go through Stamford. You shoot out of New Jersey into Pennsylvania, basically. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. You just go west on 80 and you get to experience these terrible, terrible Ohio rest stops, which are just awful. But, <sighs> but the thing I'm getting at is I stopped at a Burger King once on the way because it was like the only thing that was around and i i can't believe this is real but i guarantee this happened at the uh at the soda fountain they had and i'm really not making this up they had suggested soda pairings with menu <laughs> items it'd be like are you ordering a whopper junior why not try a diet mr pib you know, are you like, are you trying our, whatever it is, filet fish I can't remember the name of the Burger King fish sandwich. Then that would be great with a code red Mountain Dew. <laughs> Getting your Burger King sommelier. Yeah, right? Oh my God. Wow. I was like, who thought this was a good idea? And this was after all the weird retro guy in the king suit commercials and all that. Mm. Like, you're not trying to class up the fucking joint. No, no one is interested in your stupid soda pairings, Burger King. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're going to do that, you better have the one where it's like, I wish there was a better name for it, but making a suicide of a little bit of everything. Oh, there is a name for that. People do that. It's a terrible idea. It's not good. Yeah. I mean, I can get a mixing a fruit punch and a lemonade or a cherry kind of thing with a little bit of cola or whatever, but yeah. all of them, why? That's It's terrible. But I'm trying to think of the answers to your question. Nothing really jumps out at me. Rachel loves McDonald's and she'll go pretty frequently, but I just am so upset by the corporate structure of, of fast food. This is fair. Yeah. I just can't really do it. And I, I, I don't like it. Every, every time I go to a chain, it's like a little local mini chain. Yeah, that's fair. That's probably the moral choice. Who the fuck knows? But you know, I will take a, a fast, like a legit fast food joint over like an Applebee's or a TGI Fridays. Like those are places I do not wish to ever set foot inside. No, I like the, the Cheesecake Factory is one of my personal hells. <laughs> I've never actually been inside. Oh, I, I understand people like the food and I'm not even arguing about the quality of the food. It's just, I find it so immediately depressing. When you walk in, it's, ugh. I mean, if it's the kind of thing where Ari Aster does a Reddit AMA where people ask, what do you want the aesthetic of your next movie to be? And then he says, Cheesecake Factory. That's not a place you want to go with your family. Is that real? He really did that? <laughs> yeah, it is. Absolutely. Which I respect. I love and respect that man. Yeah, that's like, ugh, those places are awful. <sighs> yeah, they're the worst. I will say for my 21st birthday, had a bunch of friends over and I Postmates $100 worth of Cheesecake Factory cheesecake to my apartment and then we just had a big tasting party. Nice. That's fun. Which uh, seems like an experience that feels so dated now. My memory of Taco Bell is my grandmother, who was born in 1908, almost never went to fast food restaurants. And she started living with us, with my family, when she was in her like 80s or something. And one time my, I forget, I think it was my mom, took her to a Taco Bell for whatever fucking reason. And from that point on, my grandmother would refer to that nice Mexican restaurant that she went to. And when we asked her, what did you like about it? She said, it was very clean. <laughs> oh, boy. That's what I think of with Taco Bell. Lots to unpack there. You know what I do legitimately do love is Taco Bell's taco sauce. Like those, I don't even know if they still make it, but the little packets of, it's not even hot sauce, it's taco sauce. That shit's great. 
Yeah. Oh, they absolutely still do it. And they still say the exact same cringy, like, will you marry me? Too hot to handle on them. Oh, wow. They had the, used to have like the Verde sauce that I really liked and then they got rid of it. But yeah, I'm a big old longtime Taco Bell stan because it's not Mexican food. It's just no quote unquote food. Let me a crunch wrap. There are some great gringo taco places around LA, like Taco Lita in Arcadia, I think. Is that where it is? But they're, you know, that's like the old 50s hard shell, only beef, lawn of cheese on top of it, <laughs> and taco sauce. And that, like, in the right mood, that shit's great. Yeah, absolutely. Do we want to answer questions? Yeah. So what we're, I think we're going to do in these mini episodes is, well, I'm sure we'll have other special stuff, especially if you're a Patreon subscriber, which hasn't started yet, so don't look for us yet, but it's going to be starting soon. Well, special stuff for that, but for the general release mini episodes, we're going to just, I think, largely go through questions we didn't get to. Or just talk about stuff that we kind of cut off yeah. discussion in terms of not making the episode as long as a Tarkovsky movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many times, super cut of... Leighton mentioning Tarkovsky on this show, which now would be the perfect time for me to push through like Andre Rublev or something, Ugh. just because I have to be in a very specific mood to watch <sighs> a three hour Soviet era thinky philosophical thing that's probably going to kind of make me feel like shit. <laughs> no better time than the present. All right, here we go. This yeah. is from Josh. Josh, the Animal Crossing playing science teacher. He, him. Two questions, one for you. So this is specifically for you, Leighton. Who are your favorite Animal Crossing villagers? That's a that's a big question. Oh, I learned the name of my two people, by the way. Oh, yeah? Snake and Renee. Oh, is Renee the little deer? I think she's a horse. No. I have to Google it because this is a But it's, it's Renee, nay spelled N-E-I-G-H, like a horse. Oh, because there's a Renee who's a hippo. Pretty sure this isn't a hippo. Okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Oh, S Snake is cool. Yeah, Snake's edgy. I love the little bunnies. My favorite villagers are, I'm thinking about because I've been playing since I was a little kid. In my very first town in Animal Crossing Wild World, I was just like so fond of my villagers. And to this day, I have a certain fondness for them. So there's Daisy the dog, who's just like a little white dog who's really sweet. Puddles, who's a little pink frog. Uh, Dizzy, who's an elephant. And I remember I had a dwarf hamster that I named Dizzy after Dizzy the elephant. But currently I have Meringue, who's like a little rhinoceros who has a strawberry nose or a horn <laughs> That's cute. nose. Whatever, yeah, precious. Molly, who's just like a little tiny duck with big rosy cheeks. Agent S has really grown on me. She's just like a little squirrel who wants to be a pop star and just wears like a blue helmet at all times, which is an aesthetic I really appreciate. Uh, and Fuchsia, who's a little pink deer. She was one of my starter villagers. I don't know. I like all of them except for the ones that I disproportionately hate for some reason. Such as? Fucking Alfonso. I haven't talked to this man in two weeks and he still refuses to move. He's like a little yellow alligator. I just, I don't, I don't like the cut of his jib. I don't care for him. The ones that you want to move, never move. And then your favorite villagers are like, I've been thinking about leaving. It's like, I give you like a piece of furniture every day. What are you talking about? Assholes. Fucking stupid animals. Let me ask you the question because you asked me. Brian, this is again from Josh, the Animal Crossing playing science teacher. What's something that made you really excited to teach? Okay. I'm not sure quite what the question is asking is, what is it about teaching I love? Which to me, short answer is, I just like seeing people understand stuff. That's basically the long and short of it. I think it's a really interesting phenomenon to see people learn cool new stuff. But I'm going to interpret this as meaning, which I think is the way it's intended, although I'm not sure. What is a subject that I was really excited about teaching? Well, I actually, one of the great 
regrets I have about my physics career is the thing that I love so much about physics, which is to say quantum mechanics, I never got to teach. You know, I wasn't a faculty member for that long, just three years. And I taught one, you know, real legit lecture class, and that was statistical mechanics, which is an amazing subject. It's basically like, how do you go from taking a system with a large number of particles, like the gas, let's say the gas in a room, and knowing that they're, you know, each molecule is governed by Newton's laws or whatever. Like, how do you kind of do average properties of that system? Because knowing Newton's laws for each individual particle doesn't really tell you shit about, like, the temperature or whatever. So it's a, it's a really interesting subject about kind of doing averages over uh, systems with large numbers of, of particles. So that was really fun, but I never got to, the thing I love so much about physics, which is quantum mechanics and quantum field theory, I never really got to, to teach. I, I would have been very excited to do that, but I didn't, I wasn't a professor for long enough. Do you want to do a future Patreon episode where you teach some of that? I would listen to that. I'd have to figure out how to do it with visuals because it's impossible to do it. Just audio? Yeah. I don't know how I'd do it legitimately without equations is the other thing. Like, mm. you know, at physics at that level, you can't learn it really unless you're doing the math. Sure. You know, how do you do that? that that's the big thing about pop science is you kind of get the idea, but you're not actually teaching it. You're like tricking people into thinking they understand it. Yeah, here's the TLDR. Yeah. Brian, I have a question for you about professorship. Yes. Do you have slash are aware of your own Rate My Professor page? I was never a professor in the U.S., so I don't think I have one. I never even really checked. All right, we're looking. I think the only time I ever taught a college-level class, I taught the intro electricity and magnetism class, E&M, at MIT when I was a postdoc there, but I think that was before Rate My Professor, so I'd be surprised if I was on it. Yeah, Ain't nothing. Yeah. Wild. Because I was never a professor professor. It is interesting. I have looked up my friends, which is great. I was ready to dig up dirt. I always really liked doing that in college, looking up the professors. Very strange that it has the option to be like, is this professor hot? I know. Like, it's so terrible. <laughs> and it's so gendered and awful. Like, come on. Oh, absolutely. And then it's just people who like clearly weren't trying, like bitching about the professor. Like, come on, man. This is on you. Like professor ratings. It's just, it, it's a known thing, like a documented, studied thing that student self-evaluations and evaluations of professors are unreliable. Yeah, of course. It, people are bad judges of how much they learned in a class. And sometimes the things you don't like about professors can make them good professors, like they're really challenging or something. It's always the most upset people, which are probably the people doing the worst, that have the loudest voices. It's a shame because they're often a big part of tenure you know, decisions, and they're just so misleading so much of the time. And also notoriously biased against women. It's really problematic. Yeah. Yeah, and big time, like a lot of people having tenure who should absolutely not have tenure <laughs> and then just use that as a shield. This is something I, I've thought of a lot about. I, I never had to deal with the tenure thing because I wasn't in the U.S. as a professor. In the U.K., the system is different. You just kind of become oh. permanent. But I'm very pro-tenure. I think it's great. It is. I think it is a necessity for letting professors work on whatever they want. Generally speaking, people don't abuse it. Of course, you can find plenty of counterexamples, but... 
I'm very pro tenure. You know, all these like privatized social security type people are always like, you know, get rid of tenure, make everybody reevaluate every year. And that would just be fucking horrible for academics. Hmm. There's enough pressure to publish papers as it is. Imagine every year having to do stuff that's just going to get you the most citations and the most grants and all that bullshit rather than doing something interesting, which is the point of pure research. Hmm. So I, I'm very pro tenure, but there's no perfect system. Sure, yeah. You definitely know more about it than I do. It's, But I understand, like, I've, I had professors in college who were like, oh my God, what? Like, why is this person here? Come on. Yeah, it's like, you clearly fucking hate this. Yeah. And now you are taking it out on us. Well, you know, I saw it. It happens where sometimes you just catch professors at a bad period in their lives. They're upset, they're getting divorced or something. Like, people have bad years, and that's not an excuse for doing a bad job, but you also want to have sympathy for people. And sometimes the professor you had that was horrible, you know, a year later turns it around and becomes great. Or I've seen people like start out as terrible teachers and get much better because they recognize they're not doing well and put an effort into it. I want to stand up for, <laughs> for the tenure process <laughs> and tenured faculty members. Yeah. I mean, same is true for anybody of just like everybody is going through shit. Everyone who is kind of an asshole, there's probably a good reason for it, even though that's not an excuse. Yeah. I really wish that like when you're a kid, it's really difficult to grasp. I mean, it's hard to grasp as an adult a lot of times because, you know, you have to be really aware of it. But especially as a kid where it's like, yeah, those kids who are a disruption or are constantly getting in trouble probably have some shit going on that they're dealing with. Oh, so yeah. Like, you should have empathy and compassion for that. Absolutely. As a parent of a young kid, it is so hard when another kid is an asshole to your kid. Yeah. You don't want to punish the kid, but at the same time, you're like, I don't want my daughter hanging out with this jerk. Yeah. All the sympathy in the world for kids going through rough situations, which everybody is right now. Yeah. I mean, it's very much the hurt people, hurt people kind of deal. Yeah, totally. All right. Should we move on to another question? Sure. Yeah. Joey, he, him asks, just a general question for you two and whoever your lovely guest may be. Psych! Ha <laughs> ha! Eat it, Joey. Got him. What is your favorite animated film? Are there any recommendations you can give to those who have been looking for stuff to watch while stuck at home? Again, like, I think we discussed this. I don't have a favorite in general. I just have things I like. I will always love The Iron Giant. Good stuff. Just a stone cold classic as far as I'm concerned. I will say I don't seek out animated movies. They're just not for me, I guess. Whoa, I am surprised, actually. I know, yeah. I really don't know why. Like, it doesn't interest me all that much. I appreciate them aesthetically, and I'll watch them sometimes, but I don't really go out of my way for them. I've mentioned it several times on the show. Maybe Perfect Blue is that for me. So good. Seriously, one of the best psychological thrillers ever. Yeah. I love the Wallace and Gromit stuff. Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Oh, so good. It's great. All the Aardman stuff is great. Although I have to say, Early Man was, was not very good. Not didn't, <laughs> didn't enjoy that one so much. But in general... I never saw that one. It's like a couple years old. I think you have to be a football, aka soccer for you plebs, uh, fan if you really get something out of it. I don't know. It w wasn't for me. But almost every other Aardman thing is just awesome. I will always love the original Fantasia. I also like Fantasia. I've actually, I have never seen any of the Fantasias, either the original oh, those, or the Those would be really fun for watching with Audrey. I bet, yeah. Those are like the few that I will return to just because like the music pulls are great. It's just like a bunch of music videos with fun little narratives in them. Highly recommend. Like the Bohemian Rhapsody segment of the first one is like 
just such a great piece of animation. Yeah. Very characterful in a way that is conveyed without actual dialogue, which I love. Yeah. It's low-hanging fruit. Nightmare Before Christmas. You got to say it. It's great. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Always stays great. The Henry Selleck stuff is just amazing in general. Coraline is maybe not quite equally as great, but really close. It's extremely fine to me. Oh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm I'm really not a big Wes Anderson head. Like, his stuff is fine. Like, I don't really care. I'm not a huge fan. It's like, whatever. There's a level of tweeness to it that I don't really like. Mm -hmm. But like, Fantastic Mr. Fox might be my favorite of his. Because that tweeness works for an animated movie. I didn't see I Love Dogs. I didn't see it. I, did, I, w- I would like to. I did not hear many positive things. You know, another Ardman is Chicken Run, which is fucking great. Oh, yeah. I loved Chicken Run as a kid. I, th- I like that more than Wallace and Gromit and stuff. I think Chicken Run is just a great movie start to finish and really holds up. Yeah. You know what I'll say? In terms of like children's animated movies that I've watched so many times, I it is one of the ugliest movies I've ever seen, but Hoodwinked is so good. <laughs> I think Rachel saw that and said it was really good, yeah. I mean, it's just like really well-written and has a bunch of comedy people in it. Like, great bits all around. I mean, it's truly disgusting to look at. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen it. I remember, I remember the poster, but I haven't seen it. What is your least favorite? Like, what's an animated movie you hated? Oh, let's go. Every single Pixar movie. <laughs> oh, really? All of them? I mean, okay. So here's my caveat. I like a lot of Pixar movies. As with many children, they were a really big part of, you know, my childhood. Clearly, they're very technically competent and well done. Mm -hmm. And maybe most of my ire towards them comes from the way that people treat them. But like... My thing is I want specificity in my art. I want to see like specific stories. I want them to do something weird. Pixar is the blandest, most milquetoast, focus tested to death, broad shit I've ever seen in my life. And the fact that people prop them up like they are brilliant at storytelling drives me bananas because it's the most basic shit in the world. I mean, the thing is, is that like they're they're pretty great. I just hate them a lot, like especially the past 10 years of them have been pretty abysmal, like hated Inside Out, which might be surprising. Um, I was not a huge fan. Yeah, it's fine. I get nothing emotionally from them. Like they don't touch me emotionally at all. Uh, I love Toy Story 2. Underrated one is A Bug's Life. I re- like that was my favorite as a kid. Mm-hmm. I really like The Incredibles. I think there is a lot of great stuff in there. The Incredibles is probably the best one. Yeah, that's my favorite Pixar. And the score to The Incredibles is, I think, one of the all-time great movie scores. It's just fucking awesome. It's Michael Giacchino. And it's oh yeah 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 great. Okay, what do you think is like the best movie score or some of the best ones? I mean, there's so many I love. There is recent stuff. You know, you can argue about the movie, but I thought what's her name, Hilda Gunnarsdottir. Oh, his name I'm probably saying mm. wrong. The Joker score was fucking amazing. Oh my god, so yeah. good. Like she's like the one good thing about that movie. Yeah, she she is just. I, I thought I was blown away by that score. I'm being really, really shitty to Pixar. Uh, (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Monsters, Inc. is a great movie. I really love Monsters, Inc. I love Monsters, Inc. I think maybe any sort of like dogged commitment to sucking a massive company's dick, I really hate, especially when they're as extremely fine as Pixar movies are. Yeah. I, I hate brand loyalty. People who are super into Disney, that's great. But like big old company, I don't like them. I don't like the Disney monopoly. I think they're a deeply evil corporation. Yeah, there's problems. You know what I really liked in terms of movie scores? I wasn't paying attention because I was looking at Pixar movies, but um, I really loved the Colin Stetson Hereditary soundtrack. Yeah, I don't know it. 
Oh, yeah, because you didn't see Hereditary. Just really great and interesting and like new sounds for a horror movie that aren't screechy violence. I should just listen to that. That sounds great. Oh, it's it's one of the ones that and this is a zero percent surprising latent statement. But like I just listen to that one while I'm working in the background. I will say a, a film composer that I feel like doesn't get enough love that I really love is Carter Burwell, who does a lot of uh, Coen Brothers stuff. He did, for example, the one I remember as really loving first was the score for Fargo, oh, yeah. which is just a beautiful, beautiful score. Couldn't list all his movies, but I really like him a lot. You know, you got your, the classic, like the Howard Shore, John Williams, Alan Silvestri, like all those guys are great. You know, like the 80s stuff, Back to the Future, which is Silvestri. Yeah. John Williams, right? Is the Lost Art, whatever. All that stuff is is just classic and unimpeachable. But then there, yeah. there are guys who are less well-known. I, I think Carter Burwell is, is, uh, is one of them. And of course, we've talked about this literally on the episode we recorded today with TJ, but early Elfman stuff is just the all-time best. Yeah, seriously. Like an- another one we've talked about is Philip Glass. I really love like every Philip Glass score. The Hours is a movie, whatever, don't need it. The score for that movie is really wonderful. Yeah. God, I can't wait for people to be mad at me for shitting on Pixar. Whenever we inevitably get Jory back on the show, he's like one of the other people who like, I will just go the fuck off on Pixar with like somebody put it to me that Jory has the harshest takes about movies, but he is literally always right. Yes. And he's such a kind, sweet person and is relentless in his (laughs) takedowns. And it's the best. Watching bad movies with Jory is like one of the greatest joys in my life. All right. Jordan, he, him asks Brian, if offered, would you do a theme song? Like Dick figures the movie, the song, which is what NSP did or an entire soundtrack. Uh, would you guys do it? I would. Yeah, I would love to do that. Probably wouldn't be an NSP thing. Like that's to get a comedy band to do a soundtrack is like to, a song <laughs> is one thing, but what are we going to fucking do with a soundtrack? Like all the things are going to have words, you know, that's, that's weird. <laughs> but I personally would love to do a movie soundtrack. It's, that's a muscle I have been not, I would say looking to flex is what I was going to say, but which makes it sound like a complete <laughs> douchebag, but develop looking to develop for Mm. a long time i'd love to do something like that that being said that seems like a tremendous amount of work and it would need to be a good fit what do you feel like in terms of genre or like direction you would be like the most stoked to be doing a score for probably something dramatic like i i feel like comedy scores are so hard like because the music can't be funny then it just yeah also you don't need them like big proponent of you don't always got to have music on, man. Like, that's the thing that I really, really like of the myriad of things I love about Michael Haneke movies, primary being that he's just so mean about everything. And I just appreciate that. But no score, just like lets it hang. Love it. My all-time favorite comedy movie score is the Danny Elfman score for Back to School, which is a Rodney Dangerfield comedy from the 80s. Right. We've talked about that, that I still have not watched. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, But yeah, I'd, I'd be totally into that. This one is from Sam, she, her. The whole quarantine thing has a lot of us in a gloomy gray area right now. Are there any albums or songs you guys would recommend to brighten the mood? Oh, uh, well, I hear this band Go Banana Go has a really exciting <laughs> new kids album coming out. I, you know, I can't just plug my own stuff. <laughs> yes, you can. Okay, well, it's coming out on Friday. Wow, yay. What am I going to say? Like, for, you know... I listened to soft rock from the 80s. Like, come on, all that stuff. <laughs> Talked about Lionel Richie. That's great. Uh, actually, a more recent one. The new Vampire Weekend album, Father of the Bride, is fucking great. Oh, my God, it's so good. Is that new? Uh, it's last year, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. I haven't listened to that. 
It's the one you might have heard the single. The single is the one that goes do 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 That's every single Vampire Weekend song. Yes, this one especially does that. It's 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 a great album. All right, I'll check it out. I, I got to look at my Spotify now. Off the top of my head, um, Glass Animals, How to Be a Human Being, which is their most recent album. Zaba is a great album, which I think is their first one, which is a very different vibe, um, which I also love, but isn't necessarily uplifting. Like How to Be a Human Being is great. Portugal the Man, literally any Portugal the Man album. Like I really love Portugal the Man, um, especially their earlier stuff. Their new stuff is great too, but love their early, like Waiter You Vultures era is really great. God, I've been listening to a lot of Elliot Smith lately, which is the exact opposite of the prompt. Just like, do you just want to be the most sad you've ever been? But sometimes that's what you need, right? Like, there's a reason there are Tom Waits albums. Like, yeah, the album by hers, song of her, songs of hers, is really amazing. Like, happy, upbeat stuff. It's I'm just so sad because they both died in a car accident last year. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, they're one of my favorite bands, and that just really sucks. I've been obsessed with this album from the late 60s by the Don Ellis Orchestra called Electric Bath, which has, it's like mm. odd time signatures, some really dissonant, fun stuff. It's fucking great. Don Ellis was this trumpeter and wrote some really cool, interesting big band stuff. So that's one mm. that I've added on constant rotation to the extent where Rachel was like, can we please stop listening to this? Because it's just, it's like, you know, a bunch of things happening with, you know, quarter tone distances apart from this really clashing and dissonant. And then it gets really fun. It's fucking great. Oh, I really like Animal Collective. That's my probably divisive indie take or maybe just like stereotypical pretentious indie take. Like they're fun. They're weird and fun. Never. I've never listened, actually. They're uh, they're very bleepy and bloopy. Another album I've been coming back to is, uh, again, this is like, 2000s indie rock 101 but transatlanticism mm-hmm. is a great album by death cab for cutie oh yeah is i mean is that uplifting though i I've, some of it i think is it's 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 pretty moody but there's humor in there sure um in terms of like a single song uh nausea by jeff rosenstock lyrically very sad song but in practice it's just like great it makes me feel very happy any bill withers song like they're all the best i mean r.i.p like just so, you know, the master, but every, every fucking Bill Withers song rules makes it happen. Yeah. I've been re-listening to a lot of the strokes, which is just like one thing that literally never gets old for me. Like all of their shit is amazing. Their new album is great. That's, that's just great. Like when I wake up in the morning and need to get myself out of bed, that's like what I'll throw on. We did a bunch of recommendations, and if your headphones are dying, we should probably uh, peace out of here. Hell yeah, this was great. All right, so guys, if you like this mini episode, let us know. We haven't done too many of them just because we're doing a million things, uh, but we will keep more of these going. And if you have ideas for what we should do, please do our jobs for us and tell us. Yeah, we, we realize that the questions, not that people aren't asking good questions, the questions actually are, are really good overall, but... The the feeling here, I, I feel like I'm a network executive now. The feeling here is that uh, we're kind of losing steam on those a little bit. So if you have interesting topics for questions, we may just abandon the questions altogether as a topic-specific thing. I have the most fun, and I feel like the best stuff comes out of us just like bullshitting. And I realize for a lot of podcasts, the mini-episodes are the bullshit instead of the actual show being the bullshit and the mini-episodes being more specific. So yeah. I don't know. Whatever. What do y'all want to hear us talk about? Yeah, let us know. Just let us know. Email us, night at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in to 
whatever this was, Brian, go take care of your headphones. I will. This is the end of the mini-sode. Goodbye. Bye. Late Night is produced by Brian Wett, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. 